Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Well, good morning. I hope and pray that you had a wonderful Christmas with your family, that the joy of Christ and his birth resonated on your hearts. I am honored to be able to have the opportunity and privilege to bring God's word to you this morning as we close our series in Luke 2, 8 through 20. So let's pray before we come to God's word together. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. Yesterday, we were able to reflect on Christmas, how blessed we are that we are able to know you, God. We are reminded that we are able to have a relationship with the Holy, Eternal God. We are reminded that the Son of God, Jesus, became a man and was born into this world. He humbled himself to be found in human likeness that we who are sinful might be redeemed by his life his birth and his resurrection, death and his resurrection. God, we thank you for your word and the truth that it brings to us. We believe that it is completely true. It has complete authority and it brings complete transformation to those of us who receive it. Help me to proclaim your word, God, that it might encourage your people and build us up as you so desire us to be. May we be stirred in our hearts to deeper worship by the Holy Spirit today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke 2, and we will begin in verse 8. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is God's word and should be believed and received as such. So what would you say the biggest event in all of history is? I mean, we have the creation, the fall of man, the flood, or how about in the past 500 years, we've had countless wars, nuclear threats, the Holocaust. But today, I want to argue that the birth of a man, Jesus, The eternal Son of God impacts everyone eternally. That leads me to my main point that Jesus, our Savior, impacts everything and transforms everyone who receives him by faith. Jesus, our Savior, impacts everything 
and transforms everyone who receives him by faith. See, Caesar Augustus, who was the ruler of all of Rome at the time, desired in his heart to take a census of the entire world. This man was the most powerful man in all of the world, and little did he know he was being used by God to accomplish the will of God for the birth of Jesus. See, the census was God's very means to bring Mary and Joseph to the place where it had been prophesied that Jesus would be born. Listen to what Micah says about the ruler who would be raised up. Micah 5, 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from ancient days. Because no matter how much power or influence Caesar had, that power cannot be equated to the one enthroned above every nation and every power. After seeing this power that Jesus has and his authority, we come to the humility in which he was born. Because when Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem, there was not an inn for them to stay in. And Mary knew it was time for her to have her baby and for Mary and Joseph, this was not the ideal place to have their firstborn son. Can you imagine having your firstborn son in a stable? Can you imagine? And, and for Mary especially, because she had been told that Jesus is not just a mere baby, but that he is the Lord himself. And the Lord is worthy far more than a stable. But the way that Jesus, our Lord, was born was exactly according to the way his birth was designed. Let us be reminded, Jesus had the ability to be born in the highest of places, the most majestic of homes, and even in the palace of Caesar if he desired. But it's not what God chose. God chose for his son to be born in Bethlehem, in a stable. Jesus was born into nothing. And I would argue that most of us, if not all of us, have been born into better physical circumstances than the Christ. Christ came humbly to serve a people that was unworthy of him. Jesus, being infinite of worth, humbled himself of all his worth to, bring, to give his life to bring peace to mankind who were enemies with God. So today, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I want to, you to hear three proclamations that leads to one response because of the Savior they reveal. And here's the first proclamation. It is found in Luke 2, 8 through 12, and the proclamation that we read here is from the angel of the Lord to the shepherds about the Savior that has been born for the people. So let's get some context to fully grasp what is happening here, because it is not insignificant that in the scriptures that directly after the birth of Christ, it takes us to a place nearby and introduces us to some shepherds. Because these shepherds, who were insignificant in the eyes of the world, were the ones who would receive the most important proclamation ever given to this world. Shepherds, a lot of times, are seen in history as the low man on the totem pole. They're seen as the odd man out. But in our story today, they signify hope. That God is not like man. He does not only consider the strong or the rich. But rather, he shows fairness and justice in his judgment. See, these shepherds teach us something that we must grasp, and it's that God is involved with all people. God offers peace to all people. We know that by looking at the work of Jesus, or as John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
we, we also see a unique way that the shepherds were approached by the angel. See, the angel did not appear to the shepherds without the authority he needed to declare the announcement as, the birth, as such as the birth of the Messiah. The angel came in the authority of the glory of God. The glory of God shone around the shepherds and they responded with great fear. And the fear experienced by these shepherds was an intense, all-consuming, bone-shaking fear as the night became as bright as the day. See, the glory of God that is mentioned here is the Shekinah glory of God. And one commentator states that almost every time the Bible records a theophany, which is an outward visible manifestation of the invisible God, it is accompanied by the presence of the Shekinah, the blazing, blinding glory of God. When that glory was visible, people hid their eyes from it. They were overwhelmed by it, driven to their knees, because there was nothing in nature that could compare to the Shekinah glory of God. These shepherds could not stand before God's glory. And therefore, they were filled with great fear because, before God because of their separation from God and his nature from their human nature. These shepherds feared God because they were designed to fear God. They were in the very presence of the Almighty. But, but look at how the angel responds to the shepherd's fear. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. God's love proclaimed amid our unworthiness. God's love being this, that I have not come to bring judgment on you, but I have come to bring good news to you. Can you imagine the feeling the shepherds felt in that moment? A feeling of relief, of humility, of thanksgiving, because the angel delivers for them and for us the message. And it is this, for unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds should fear God. In fact, we all must fear God. Because fearing God is being in awe of who he is, revering him as Lord of lords and King of kings. And proper fear of God accepts the gospel with joy because of the eternal impact it brings to the soul of the sinner through the grace of Jesus Christ. So December 26, which is today, it's a special day for me. Four years ago, Tatum and I found out that she was pregnant with our daughter, Myla. God had taken our broken situation and given us a gift that we did not deserve, the gift of a special, sweet little girl. The reason we, we did not need to fear our standing with God was not found within our works. It was not found within what we had achieved in our lives. We had absolutely nothing to offer God. In my life and the way I had been living deserved God's fierce judgment, not the gift of God and the grace of a child. And I say all this to relate with the rest of mankind. We did not deserve the eternal Son of God to be born as an infant. But even though we did not deserve his life, he gave it to us anyway. He gave it to us because he wanted to show us who he was. He is the loving savior of the world. And Jesus shows us his love in this by dying for us while we were still sinners. Christian, that's why we don't have to fear death. That's why we don't have to fear trials or hardships. It's not due to the fact that these things won't come. They will but we can endure them by reminding ourselves of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. 
Jesus not only died in our place, Christian, but he is alive and reigning in heaven today because he did not stay dead, but he was raised from the grave that those who believe in him might obtain life with him. Jesus defeated our sins that we might receive his forgiveness and be granted eternal life. For those of you who perhaps don't believe in Jesus, can I ask why? Have you considered the great love God himself is offering to you? Do you not see it in his birth? Do you not feel the conviction of the Spirit in your heart this morning? And have you begun to conceive an eternity separated from the one who impacts everything? So let's come back now to the last thing said by the angel to the shepherds on that night. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The angel gives the shepherds a sign to be able to know and to find this Savior. The Christ would be found in lowly conditions. Christ was not the last name of Jesus, but rather it was the New Testament Greek word for the Messiah. And the Messiah is Jesus, the one found in the manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths. See, God does things in ways we would not expect him to do them. For example, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord, was born into lowly conditions. But he came not to accomplish a lowly task. Listen to what Isaiah proclaims in his prophecy that the Messiah would do, say, and accomplish. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus came not to serve an earthly kingdom, but rather to establish an eternal kingdom. Jesus was born into this lowly state because he was introducing to us the way we must take if we desire to enter his kingdom, the way of humility, the way of declaring that we must decrease and he must increase. See, Jesus hasn't expected us to do anything that he has not first by his own accord undertaken. So, he came humbly, becoming a mere infant, born not in the richness of man, but in the glory of God, to show us the nature of his kingdom in contrast to the kingdom of darkness and evil that has been ravishing this fallen world. Jesus shows us his true heart at his birth, his heart to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the fact of Jesus being wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger is also significant as confirmation for Mary. The shepherds would come to the physical sign told to them by the angel, and they would come to the place where Jesus was born. And see, this sign that was for the shepherds would soon be a sign for Mary, that God has done what he said he would do through Mary. The shepherds would come to report the news of the majesty of this Jesus, that even the heavenly host declare his authority by the thousands upon thousands of angels. This mere baby is not just a baby, but he is the one who would save his people and take away the sins of the world. This sign given to the shepherds would encourage Mary that the promises of God have been fulfilled in her baby because God is faithful to accomplish all his promises. God knew what Mary needed. God knew the comfort she would receive from the shepherds retelling the proclamation of the angel. And here we learn a significant truth that we need to hold fast to as Christians. That God knows exactly what we need as his children. 
and he gives us exactly what we need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God sees our needs and delights in meeting in them. And we can confidently be assured that he will provide every provision to complete his work in us and to accomplish his work through us. So, we now move from the proclamation of one angel of the Lord to a multitude of heavenly hosts bursting and exalting worship of the Messiah who has come. And so, the second proclamation comes from Luke 2, 13 and 14. And it is the worship coming from the multitude of the heavenly host, proclaiming glory to God and also giving a message to the shepherds. And their worship begins in verse 14 with glory to God in the highest. This proclamation is one that has never happened before. What I mean by that is it's not as if the heavenly host ever ceased giving worship or praise to God. But this instant was different. The proclamation of glory to God in the highest was not the result of merely telling God's glory. The worship from the heavenly host is in direct result of the birth of Jesus. The praise signifies the authority of Jesus, that he is not merely a man that God chose to do his work through, but he is God become man to accomplish the eternal purposes that our triune God willed from all eternity. This is why the angels are singing. It's in direct response to the perfect plan of our God unfolding before their very eyes. They have one response to declare the worthiness of Jesus, and it is an exaltation of praise within their very being. Church, this is our response we must undertake as children of the eternal King. We must sing praise and we must rejoice because of who Jesus is in response to his majesty. Glory to God in the highest. And there also is a message that the heavenly host brings to the shepherds. And this message, I would argue, is one with some of the most theologically significant truths that we have in Scripture. And here's the message that they bring. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We learn just from that one statement that the message of the birth of Jesus, it brings peace to mankind but it only brings peace to those with whom God is pleased. So that begs the question, how can we as sinful, fallen humans please a holy, eternal king who has not received from us what he is worthy to receive? And Hebrews eleven six answers this for us. and says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The basis of God being pleased with us is rooted in our faith in him. This faith shapes the entire life of the person trusting God. And their faith in God holds them firm on everything God has said and accomplished. Peace, the angels say. This peace is Jesus. We have peace with God. Through faith, because of what Jesus has done. Jesus came and was born according to the prophecies made about his birth. Jesus came under his own law, fulfilling it perfectly. Jesus became the sacrifice for sin on the cross that those who receive his death for themselves. And Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin and death, which was the reason men were enemies with God. 
Jesus brought reconciliation to men to be in relationship with God. Jesus is our peace because of what he did to bring forgiveness for the, to those with who he was pleased with. God is not pleased with people who believe by their own works they receive right standing with God. They do not. Jesus is not pleased with those who continue in sin and trample over his gospel by their wicked works. But Jesus is pleased with the sinner, confessing their sin and receiving the message of peace by faith. Let us Christians rest assured in the confidence of the peace that we have through Jesus Christ with God. But for those, I have to say, but for those who do not and have not received this peace, which is Jesus, can do so today and be made new by the Spirit and become friends with God. Jesus says that there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And today is the day to join in united worship with the heavenly host declaring glory to God in the highest. He is waiting, he is worthy, and he will receive those who come. And so we come to the third proclamation now, and it's found in Luke 2, 15 and 20. And it's the proclamation of the shepherds to the people about the glory of Jesus. The angels return to their home in heaven, and the shepherds respond with haste to go and to see what has happened, confident that this revelation has not, just been from, has not only been from angels, but it has been from God himself. These shepherds display an act of faith that we don't often see, even in the Bible. Remember in Acts when Jesus ascended into heaven after promising them the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses? When Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples stood gazing into heaven. They had to be commanded by two angels saying, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? See, the shepherds teach us the importance of what we must do as God's people, considering God's revelation. We must believe it. We must receive it. And we must go and proclaim the Messiah and all that he has done for us and what he can do for them. The eternal salvation of souls depends on the proclamation of the good news that Christ has come. So after the shepherds proclaimed to Mary and Joseph and all who were with them, they wondered in awe at what had been told to them. But for Mary, this was a special moment because she treasured up all these things that were told to her by the shepherds. The things that are treasured up in our hearts affect the way that we live our lives. And Luke 6.45 says that the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we store up in our hearts will be the words that come from our mouths. And so let our hearts take hold of Christ, lest sin takes root in us. I, I'm sure that the good things that Mary treasured up in her heart produced good works and faithfulness to the truth of who Jesus is. And so should ours, as Christians reflect the treasured up truths of God's word and what we have in Christ. We show by our very lives if we are treasuring Christ or if we are rejecting his lordship. When we reflect on the truth of Jesus and the hope that we have in him, our lives will be transformed into his image as we are renewed day by day from the spirit who dwells in us. And we come to the final verse of our passage and it says, And the shepherds returned 
glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the destiny of the Christian. To have complete joy in Jesus and to let our lives be an encouragement to Christians and to share the light of Jesus with the lost. Our joy in life, our ultimate joy, is found in the treasured up truths of God's word. What what gives you more confidence than the promises of God? Nothing, nothing. So we need to hold fast to them, no matter what life brings, because of the truth that they hold and the peace that they bring in every season at all time. So this leads to our one response this morning as we reflect on these three proclamations. And our response is to worship. Now this worship is something that is given to God and thanksgiving for what he has done. Our worship is exercised by faith in all that Christ has said and accomplished. Our worship is to have joy rooted in the eternal truths of God and his promises. And finally, our worship is to proclaim the truth of the gospel with everyone. As the shepherds worship by going in haste to see what the Lord has accomplished, so should our worship be expressed in evangelism of what God has accomplished on behalf of the sinner. And the truth is, all of us are sinners, and Christ is the only Savior. Trust in him today. I'm so thankful to have another Christmas, reflecting on this hope that we have in Jesus and what he has accomplished for his people. And I want you to be encouraged to hold on to this hope as well, Christian, that we can have confidence because of Christ. The fact that he was born, that he was crucified, and that he was resurrected. We too, by faith, have been given the gift of life everlasting. Life enjoying the ultimate gift, God himself. So let us respond this morning with worship that is pleasing to God. And let every aspect of our lives be shaped by the joy that he has freely given us in himself by offering himself up for us. Jesus, our Savior, impacts everything and transforms everyone who receives him by faith. Let's pray.